Well, glory to God. Discerning of spirits. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be dwelling in 1 Corinthians a bit today. We'll go back one chapter for communion service later in our time together today in closing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That, that means that whatever the Holy Ghost says to you, it's for the common good of the body of Christ. Amen? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. In the King James Version, I've told you this many times, but I like the way the King James Version puts it. A word of wisdom. It's just a little piece of the wisdom of God. It's not all the wisdom that God has. We can't handle that. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, which is a word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one in the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Powerful stuff. Um, we covered a lot of this last week, but just as a refresher, let's read through the questions and answers till we get down to the part here where we pick up today. Number one, what does the discerning of spirits give you uh, insight into? Everything within the realm of knowledge, whether facts, events, purposes, motives, origins, or destinies, human, divine, or satanic, natural, or supernatural, or past, present, or future, uh, comes within the focal range of one or other of the three revelation gifts. They were word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. See, people have asked me for, how do you get this? How do you get this three groupings of the gifts of the spirit? Well, these three, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and um, uh, gift of uh, discerning of spirits, <clears throat> they are revolution or revelation gifts. They reveal something to people. So naturally, I put them together as the three revelation gifts. Does that make sense to you? Right? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Because it involves revelation, right? And then you've got the utterance gifts, and then you've got the power gifts, right? All right, watch this with me. What does discern mean? I just looked in the dictionary. Plus, I looked at the original Greek rendering of the word in the Bible, and it's very important that you do that because it says to discern means to perceive by seeing or hearing. But seeing's an important word. It's like I said last week, say you, you are with a friend that says, I, I, I've been sick for so long, I want you, to, will you just pray with me? You pray for me. And you're praying for this person, all of a sudden, you know inside that it's more than just a sickness, it's a demonic attack. Now that's pretty, that, that's rarer than you think. How many of you know physical bodies seem to be prone to sickness unless you lean upon the... Um, the stripes on the back of Jesus Christ for healing in your body. And there's all kinds of ways for God to keep you healthy. Amen. And you need to know the word of God. And you need to lean in and press in. But you're praying for him. And all of a sudden you just have a knowing inside. This is the demonic force that's attacking this person. And needs to be dealt with in prayer. Now, first of all, let me tell you that no matter what you call that particular manifestation of the gifts of the spirit of God. God does not tell you something like that and then fold his hands and say, I'm not going to help you do anything about it. If the Holy Ghost speaks to you clearly, 
and tells you this is demonically uh, enhanced or, or, or it's happening because of demonic attack. You know how then to pray. You know what to say in the name of Jesus, be gone, right? And you can rest assured, you know, that God's going to take care of this person. He's going to, the demon has to leave. You command him in the name of Jesus. You got to do what you tell him to do in the name of Jesus. Don't do it in your name. The sons of Sceva found out. There were seven of them boys. And they tried to, to cast a, a demon out. And all they did, they were used in the name of Jesus. And the demon said, Jesus we know. And Paul we know. But who are you? And it says that the demon beat all seven of them and sent them off naked and beaten. And you're only one person. All right? So if if God speaks to you, though, and tells you this is demonically uh, in, enhanced here or caused, you just go right to, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get away from this person. You have to leave, and they got to leave in the name of Jesus. Just totally and completely relied upon Jesus. You know what the seven sons of Sceva's problem was? The problem was with those boys was they wanted the glory that comes with being used by the Holy Ghost. And it has been the demise of many men and women of God throughout the ages. And uh, that was their problem. All right? So, so you, you answer this for me. What was the gift that the Holy Spirit used? What would you call it if all of a sudden you knew that inside? Well, that would not be discerning of spirits because you didn't see anything, right? You didn't see anything. You just all of a sudden knew something, right? Here's another thing I want to say about that. All of a sudden, you didn't know something. Now you know something. It's in there. It's in your spirit. Oh, this is, this is important. I've got to speak to the demon in the name of Jesus. Cast them out and make them go away. Cast them into utter darkness. That is the thing the place I like to send them. There's no mailing address there. It's not easy to come back from there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Cast them out into utter darkness in the name of Jesus and tell them they got to stay there, all right? Now, they got to do what you say in the name of Jesus, right? So what that is is a word of knowledge because you didn't see. You didn't see the Spirit, right? But I will tell you this. If God opens, opens your, gives you a vision of this demonic creature hanging off of this person's body, to me that even enhances my faith because now God has shown it to me and I get to watch it leave. You see what I'm saying? I get to cast it out and watch it leave. Now, don't get caught up in it. You know, I, in the church I was raised in, they taught us that these gifts of the Spirit died with the apostles. They died with the apostles. That's why you don't see it anymore. That's why you don't, you know, get to see these things happen. Well, you know what? You think that it, here it is right here in the middle of 1 Corinthians. You think that if it had died off, Paul let us know that. If God had removed the gifts of the Spirit from the world, Paul would have, I think Paul would have known, wouldn't he? He'd have told us, right? So, you know what? Even if you don't want it, don't, even if you don't want it, don't badmouth it. And I'll tell you why. You know, and I didn't, this ain't in my notes. I didn't plan this, but you look it up. Jesus said, you can say whatever you want about me, I'll forgive you. You can say whatever you want about the Father, and he'll forgive you. But watch what you say about the Holy Spirit. And what is the, the ultimate sin that you could commit that puts you in danger 
grieve the Holy Spirit or blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Right? Right? Why? Why is it that the Holy Ghost is this way? The Holy Ghost, have you ever noticed that in the Bible, I challenge you to go digging around in there and find where it says to worship the Holy Ghost. Now, no, what I mean by that is we praise Jesus, we worship God, but, and, there, and, and the Holy Ghost is the same thing, but you don't read as much about it in the Word. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is the power by which God uses to draw man to him. For the Holy Ghost, his ministry is all about God and all about the Son. The Trinity is very unselfish, but the Holy Ghost, I mean, he's all about Father and Son. He's all about teaching people about Father. He's all about drawing people to Father. He's all about teaching people about Jesus. He's all about teaching people how to worship God. He's all about running up to you and, and just, just getting all over you when you are feeling depressed, discouraged, your heart is broken. The Holy Ghost is all about comforting. Do you see the things that make the Holy Ghost specifically different? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? And he has all these gifts. Amen? Got all these gifts, all right? All right. Oh, man. All right. That was number two was uh, what does to discern mean? It means to see. Number three, why does the discerning of spirits actually have more limited range of operation than the other two revelation gifts? This is because its revelation is limited to a single class of objects. It's about spirits. Just the single subject matter, spirits. Don't add anything to it. All right. Um, number four. Name five things that discerning of spirits is not. It's not discernment. Ever met somebody that seemed to be very discerning about other people? That's not, that's not, it might be something from God. It might be something the Holy Ghost helps you with, but it's not discerning of spirits, all right? The discerning of spirits is not a kind of spiritual mind reading. The discerning of spirits is not psychological insight, nor is it some mental penetration. It's not the supernatural power to discern the faults of others, Amen. No, discerning of spirits is not discerning of character or faults. It is not even the discerning of people. It's called discerning of spirits. Amen? And it has to do, if it's discerning, have you ever said, you ever tried to explain to somebody and you finally got a breakthrough and they go, I see. They understand what you're saying. They say, oh, I see that now. You see what I'm saying? It has to do with seeing. And then word of knowledge and word of wisdom has to do with, and, and let me clarify this for you. Say God gives you a word of knowledge about something that's going on or something that happened in the past. Um, I've seen um, God uh, give a word of knowledge while praying uh, for someone about something that happened to them a long time ago, and they were allowing that thing to stand in the way of God's blessing, Right? And so you tell them, oh, look, and, and I have whispered in the ear of people, here's what God's saying to me that this happened to you. And then they just burst out in tears. Now, the great thing about that is that once that they hear that word and they know it's true, man, I had no way of knowing it, 
right? I don't have no way of knowing. I'm not smart. You see what I'm saying? Then all of a sudden, all the barriers are gone. They've heard from God. They know that the Lord just did something supernatural. Now, am I wrong? And, and how that worked uh, for me is one minute I'm standing there praying and didn't know something, and then all of a sudden, it's in there. I know it, right? Would I be wrong if I said that, uh, and, and God spoke to me and told me? Would I be wrong to say that? Nope, I would not be wrong. Did I hear an audible voice? No. But who, who, else can I, who else can I either blame or give credit to but God for all of a sudden placing in there? So he spoke to me. For many years, I used the word, God spoke to me and said this, 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 and people get hung up over it. You know, and people say, oh, you hear voices. No, I, I didn't say that. But I've had things just appear on the inside of me, and it's the Holy Ghost. It's not me, right? Word of knowledge or word of wisdom, right? But if you're standing there praying, and all of a sudden you have this quick vision, you see it, all right? Well, man, that, that, that's inspirational. Now you go after it, amen? All right. Number five, many things that people say are the devil, aren't the devil at all. What are they? They're the works of the flesh, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and I have to say, sometimes you have to say, amen or oh me. All right, you got to hear this. Last night, it's late. I want to go to bed. Ruthie wants to go to bed. But we're both a little obsessive compulsive. All of a sudden, it's time to turn off a TV in this room. Can't find the TV remote. Can't find it. And, and this particular TV, the one remote, is the only one that will work it. And I don't know where the buttons are on that thing. But now there's a remote missing, and me and Ruthie both have been bit. We've got to find it, right? For an hour. I mean, we tear up the room. We t take the couch apart. We do all that stuff. And then we realize, okay, it's not in this room. We've looked everywhere. It's not somewhere in the house, right? Now, I, I'm just, I, I try not to, I mean, I, I can't say I've never lied because I, I'm, I'm human, right? I'm not going to lie to you now. I'm going to tell you I got angry. You're looking at me? You see me? Have I ever, you know, why, why lie about it? I lost my temper. I got angry. Now I'm looking through the house in an angry manner. Right? So I get downstairs and I think to myself, I know that this attitude isn't pleasing to God. But while I was still angry, and instead of asking God to deal with the anger, because that's all he was going after. You understand what I'm saying? At that moment, God didn't care whether I ever got that TV remote back or not. You understand what I'm saying? All right? So I start saying, Father, now listen to me. I'm just being bold and straightforward. Father, you know where that remote is. H have you ever been there? Father, you know where that remote is. Will you please tell me where that remote is? I mean, are you, you understand? You never prayed like that before? All right? Let me tell you what. It only took me a few minutes to come to the realization that the answer from Father to me was no. I'm not telling you where the remote is. Do you understand where I'm coming from here? 
I, and, and you say, well, Brother Dennis, how do you know the answer was no? Because he didn't say anything to me else. He didn't say anything else. It's all right for me to assume the answer is no, right? So I stomp upstairs. I'm still angry, right? And all of a sudden, I hear my wife coming up the stairs, and she's laughing. Well, that just makes me madder. Because <laughs> I know she's got that remote in her hand. You understand what I'm saying? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. No, I won't show you where it's at, but I'll show her where it is. Right? The Holy Ghost led Ruth. He didn't lead me. I wasn't in a position to be used by the gifts of the Spirit of God. But my dear, sweet, loving wife was, right? Now you say, oh, Brother Dennis, you're you just making out the part about the Holy Ghost. No, I'm not. And I'm going to tell you why. So I stand there, and I'm getting angry, more angry because she thinks it's funny. And somehow I don't see the humor in it, right? <laughs> I don't see the humor. She's telling me the story. She said, all, all I know was I was wandering around down there, and, and I got to thinking, you know, I need my glasses. I need my glasses. And she said, I put them in the eyeglass case, so I go to the eyeglass case to get my glasses, but my glasses are laying next to my eyeglass case. So she said, all of a sudden, I had a knowing. Look in that eyeglass case. Now you say, well, how dumb can you and Miss Ruthie be to put a, a remote? If God wants you to put a remote in an eyeglass case because he's got a lesson for you to learn, you'll put them that, that remote in the eyeglass case. So Ruthie just got a big old laugh out of it, when, and she was all joy-filled and everything, opened up that case, and there was a remote, right? There was a remote. And she just thinks it's all funny, you know, it's all funny. But, man, I had to go get quiet and sit down in a recliner for a couple of hours and wind down and listen to the Holy Spirit work on some parts that were messed up. You understand what I'm saying? Plus, I, I, you know, you've never been jealous of your wife that the Holy Ghost used her and didn't use you. Hey, I'm super preacher here, Lord. Don't you know that? No. Lord, Lord, Lord does what Lord wants to do. Amen. So you remember that. Um, I'm, I'm giving God and Ruthie credit because she was in a position to hear from the Holy Ghost and I wasn't. All right? Number six, how does the Word of God tell us to deal with the flesh? It says put the flesh to death. Romans 8, 13 says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Mm. Wow. Number seven, name another way that the Holy Spirit reveals facts to us about the realm of the Spirit. The gift of the word of knowledge, right? But you don't see, you hear. Or you get knowledge put on the inside of you. What's the difference between the two gifts? If you see into the Spirit realm, that's the gift of discerning of spirits. If you are told by the Spirit, but do not see anything, that is a word of knowledge. Are we, are we pretty clear now, finally, on a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits? All right, let me, let me share with you a couple of journal stories, and then we're going to have communion together. Look at it this way. Here's how I want you to see this. How many of you know that I've just reached, uh, you know, a point in my life where if I want to know something about the gift of the Spirit of God, 
I go looking in the Bible for where the Spirit of God did its thing, right? And I was shocked and blown away one day when I realized, oh, wow, the gifts of the Spirit of God are in the Old Testament. All of those guys that we put up on a pedestal like Moses and Abraham and that, every time that God dealt with those guys, it was through the gifts of the Spirit of God. And he did it that way to, that we would have examples to follow. We would know what we were looking at. We'd know what we were seeing. We'd know what we were hearing. And we could, you know, get it right down on the inside of us. See what I'm saying? Uh, in Exodus chapter 33, verses 20 through 23, when God said to Moses, that's Exodus chapter 33, 20 through 23. God said to Moses, he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not be seen. So what did he see? He saw God by the discerning of spirits. He saw. Into the spiritual realm, he saw God. Say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We think linear thinking. You know, we think about the spiritual realm is somewhere beyond the borders of our space. When the spiritual realm is right here in this room, it's more real than this table in this room. Say, well, how in the world do you believe that, Brother Dennis? I'll tell you why I believe it. Because the spiritual realm was here before this realm existed. And it will be here long after this realm is gone. So, you know what? When you think about, I wonder how many angels are in this room. Don't dwell on it too long, you know. But I will tell you, there are many angels in this room. Why? Because the children of God have been praying for the service this week. But if you think the devil don't attend church, you're wrong. If you let him, he will attend your church. Why? He loves to take a little tiny piece of heresy and put it on the back of truth and let it ride into the church. And then the next thing he likes to do is whisper in your ear, Pastor Dennis doesn't love you. Pastor Dennis loves everybody but you. Sister Ruthie don't love you. Isn't, isn't that the devil? Isn't that the liar? Isn't that what he does? I'm telling you, that lie has taken grip in more churches than I care to remember. You know, I, I, if anything, I love you more. I don't love you less, right? Now that I've gotten to know you better, on second thought, no, no, I just love you. Why? Because that's what pastors hearts do. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, Right? High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What is that but the gift of discerning of spirits? You know what I like about it? You find more examples in the word of God of the men and women of God seeing godly things by discerning of spirits rather than evil spirits. Right? Anyway. Uh, Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love this book. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, first eight verses. Paul's writing. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Some died, right? Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. He was already dead. And he's already resurrected. He'd already been seen by a bunch of people. He'd already ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. Yet I can tell you many people that by the gift of discerning spirits have seen Jesus. You know what? I've got something here. I want to. Yeah, hold on a second. Just for the fun of it, I, I burned this off. What's the difference between a disciple and apostle? And I've got to be careful with this. I've got to tell you, not everything in it is correct. The answer, every apostle was a disciple. Do you believe that? Every apostle was a disciple, but not every disciple was an apostle. Every person who believes in Jesus is called his disciple. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20 records Jesus saying, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Greek word for disciple simply refers to a learner and is used throughout the New Testament to refer to people who believed in Jesus. Is the room not full of disciples? All right. Well, it's not full, but, <laughs> but it's got a bunch of disciples in it. All right. Are you with me? How do you believe one day it will be full? For example, Acts 6, 1 says, In those days when the number of the disciples was increasing, the word disciples simply means believers or Christians in this context. The Greek word for apostle literally means the one who is sent and can refer to an emissary or anyone sent on a mission. An apostle is given the authority of the one who sent him. Now, that's the difference maker. All right? Apostles are one that have been given the authority of the one who sent them, which means they can do much of what Jesus did, even raise the dead. All right? Are you with me? Um, an apostle was given the authority of the one who sent him. All of the apostles were disciples. They were among the many believers in Jesus, but only a select group of disciples were chosen as the 12 apostles. Uh, this included the original 12 disciples, although Judas Iscariot eventually reversed his loyalties and rejected Christ. And it's either Matthias or Paul. How many of you know who I believe it was? The one God chose or the one Christ chose. Um, we don't have a record of Jesus ever appearing to Matthias after his death and resurrection. We don't have a record of that, all right? But we have a record even after the ascension is a neater trick. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to appear to someone after. Well, by discerning of spirits, that's how Paul saw, right? Folks, Paul received from Jesus two-thirds of the New Testament, all right? How do you think he did that? There were all kinds of gifts of the Spirit in operation. Amen? Probably word of knowledge, word of wisdom. 
Amen. Discerning the spirits because he saw Christ. Isn't that powerful? That's enough of that. It's enough of that. Pretty exciting. Um, now, let's talk about this, and then we're going to go right to communion. How about discerning of the spirit behind an operation? All right? One of the most powerful things I ever learned from the Holy Spirit was when, when God dropped it in me, that person right there talking is, uh, has a familiar spirit. Now, it, wouldn't that be an important thing to know? It was a word of knowledge because I didn't have a vision. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't have a vision. I didn't see it. I was told by the Holy Ghost, that person um, has a familiar spirit. See, the devil loves to try to counterfeit everything from, you know, God has. Um, I, I, I told you once again, I, I mean, I, I knew Benny Hinn um, for a long time. I knew him. And I would have people over the years ask me, you know that Benny Hinn guy, do you know him? And I go, well, yeah, yeah, I know him. They thought I knew of him, but I knew him, you know. And, 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 and here comes the question. Do you believe he's genuine? Do you believe he's a real McCoy? Now, I, I've seen Benny uh, go from where we started out as kids, where he was praying for people, casting out demons, the, the sick were being healed, all kinds of things were going on. The gifts of the Spirit of God were in operation, all kinds of fruit hanging off that tree, right? But the longer I knew him, he went through a period of time where he was caught up in the money, right? Now, I will tell you that in the latter days here, he's been repentant of that, but the, the proof is in the pudding, it's in the fruit, which just remains to be seen, right? But a lot of great miracles in that ministry have happened. Now, I'm not so interested in answering the question for them, is Benny Hinn the real McCoy or not? The more important question is, what does uh, a fake demand? What does fraud demand? It, 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 it demands that there be a real thing. There is no fake of something that doesn't exist. All right? Are you, are you falling with me? For you to have the fake, you've got to have the real. To have the fraud, you've got to have the genuine, you see. Right? So all those people out there that you see on TV, they're reading palms and all that kind of stuff, if they're accurate at all, they have a familiar spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, Leviticus 19.31 says in the English Standard Version, in, in case you want to write that down, Leviticus 19.31, English Standard Version, do not turn to mediums or necromancers, do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. So it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous, not safe. I like the King James Version here. It says, regard not them that have familiar spirits. Is that plainer? Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. All right? So, I'm telling you, there's a guy in this country. He had a circus tent, and he, he was missing an eye. I mean, he had an eye patch over you remove the eye patch. He didn't have no eyeball in there. How many of you know you're not going to see out of that eye? Right? Right? Well, what he'd do, he had a circus tent. He'd put it up wherever he could, and he'd hold meetings. Why? Because people are drawn to the supernatural. 
they don't really mind the source either. If it's supernatural, it's ooh, you know. This guy would have a thousand people a night in the tent meeting, and he would take the patch over his right eye, his bad eye, and put it over his good eye. And then he would take people's wallets and stuff and put them over that socket, ain't got no eyeball in it, and he'd read things in there. People were eating that like candy. Why? Because they love the supernatural. They think, oh, only the power of God. No, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you that. Devil's pretty supernatural. And you wait till you get closer to the last days and, and uh, the Antichrist is revealed. It's why you'll be able to tell the difference, but many people will not because they weren't discipled properly. But you're being discipled. You're being discipled. You're being taught, right? And he'd, he'd tell them their address and all that kind of stuff. And then the, how did the night end? Take up a big offering, big fat offering. People want to be a part of that. They want to bless that ministry. And the whole time he's dealing with familiar spirits. Don't you think a familiar spirit about your life knows what your address is? Yeah. Familiar spirits, that's why they're called familiar spirits. They're familiar with you, right? I call that um, the, the discerning of spirits to be uh, to beware of fraud in the kingdom of God because fraud is there. Um, I wrote discerning the risen Christ and we have the, the, um, the story of Paul seeing Jesus. Uh, discerning the similitude of God. That is that Moses at a time when seeing God could kill you. Before the church age, before the age of grace. But God said, I'll let you see my backside as I'm leaving you behind i'm going to leave it away from you put his hand over him and as he passing by he moves his hand and lets him see the backside of god leaving that's called the similitude of god a little portion of god moses got to see it moses came down off the mountain and what did it do to moses made his face glow now if i came into church one morning and my face was glowing it, it unnerves some people. It unnerved my wife, I'm sure. My point is that it unnerved so many people they had to put a sack over Moses' head to contain the glow because he saw God. Amen? All right. Well, praise God. So, do I believe that uh, even the sins of the flesh... Uh, can be uh, exasperated by a demonic force? Yes, they can. But you're never going to be able to stand before God in heaven and say, this wasn't my fault. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Nope. Works of the flesh. All right? And, and you can trust that if you're praying for someone. I mentioned some sin last week, but there are all kinds. I mean, there's all sins of the flesh. You're praying for them, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost speaks to you and says, there's a demonic force. This has a grip. I remember a pastor, a friend of mine, was praying for someone and said, and backed up and said, God just showed me a demonic figure on your brain. It was like an octopus that had tentacles wrapped around your brain. And God wants to set you free. And he prayed for him, cast that thing out, told leave the building. Amen. That was Carl Strader. How many of you ever heard that name, Carl Strader? Carl Strader pastored a church in Lakeland, Florida. They bought this land from the Carpenters Union, about 25 acres of land. They built a 10,000-seat auditorium 
on the land and called it Carpenter's Home Church. It's a powerful place. It's a powerful place, right? Now, don't be impressed by the size. Matter of fact, my heart's broken to tell you it doesn't even exist today. That church building doesn't even stand, doesn't exist today, right? But I remember Carl Strader, discerning of spirits kicked in, and he saw the demonic force gripping this person's brain, right? But did you know that um, people can be mentally ill, too? You can just, there's mental illness. Um, in the Baptist church, we were taught that if someone committed suicide, it was a sin, and they didn't have time to get forgiveness, so they died and went to hell. I never really swallowed that one easily. You get my drift? I didn't consume that one very well. A guy named David Briggs came to my church. Wonderful evangelist. He said, you were raised Baptist, right? I said, yeah. He said, what do you think about that? And he asked me about many Baptist doctrines. He said, what about uh, mentally ill people? Uh, when they all died, did they go to hell? I said, well, in the Baptist church, we were taught they did, but I'm not so, I'm not so eating that. You ever, you ever been there? You're not so eating that? <laughs> he said, well, let, let me ask you a question. He said, let's just say you and I went to the doctor this afternoon because you got an appointment, and they told you that you have cancer, and you're going to die. And you got six months to live. He said, me and you go to praying. And we, you know, we claim healing. And we, you know, we exercise faith. And we get people all around the world praying for you. But six months later, you die anyway. Do you go to hell because you were standing on faith that God would heal you? And he did not heal you? So you died of the cancer. Do you go to hell? Absolutely not. Then he asked the question this way. Do you believe People can get sick in their mind. And the answer is yes. They can, can't they? Now, here's the, here's the thing. If you're praying for someone that, that has problems in the area of the mind, and their peace is always under attack, and so forth, you pray for their healing. And I'm telling you, if you have your heart and mind right before God, just, you know, you cannot, you cannot, what's the word? I'm going to earn the gifts of the Spirit of God. But trust me, last night, I was in a position to hinder being used. So if you don't let that happen, and the Holy Ghost drops it in your heart and mind, this is demonically, there's a demon here. Or he gives you a vision and shows you the demon with a grip on their mind. Get excited. Because it, it's not dependent on you now other than you calling on the name of Jesus and telling that thing what to do. Or if the Holy Ghost says to you, and we're going to get into the gift of faith and gifts of healing, all right? The Holy Spirit rises up on the inside of you, and all of a sudden your faith just goes through the roof. And you lay hands on them and pray for them, and all of a sudden God heals them completely. It just heals them. Do you see why the gifts of the Spirit of God have a place in the church? All right? And who doesn't want to be used if the Holy Ghost wants to use you? All right? Well, let's, let's go to the Lord now, and let's have communion together. We're, I'm having fun with this. Are you having fun with this? I hope you're learning something. Um, everybody, do you have the emblems of the body and blood of the Lord? We always pray over them that God will cause them to be to us and for us what he would have them to be. You know, there are churches that believe that it becomes the flesh and the blood of Jesus. You know what, if God wants to do that, fine. 
you know what I'm saying? I say, do it, God, if that's what you want to do, you know. Um, but I always pray that God would cause the emblems to be to us what he would have them to be. Um, how many of you today just feel all worthied up? You just feel all worthied up. Well, well, you are if you just if you talked to God preparing for this day and said, Lord, show me what you want to deal with in my life. And whatever he's shown you, you're willing to give that to him today. The consummation of this communion time together can be the end of that problem in your life. Amen? Isn't that exciting? First of all, all you got to do is be a disciple, which means you got to be a believer. Amen? And then you got to be willing to talk to God and say, in the name of Jesus, show me, Father, help me examine myself. I want to examine myself. But you know that examining part, really I haven't met anybody that says, well, Brother Dennis, I've just been sitting here for an hour examining myself, and I can't find anything wrong with me. <laughs> Not happening. Most of us walked in the room today already knowing what God is saying that he wants from you. Am I right or wrong? I, I know you knew I knew because I've talked about it already, right? So when I said to you before that the Dennis family, bad tempers. Now you know what I was saying. Now you know what I meant, right? How many of you know God wants to deal with that in your pastor? Amen? So guess what? Me and the Lord, I'm just going to let him, I'm going to give it to him today in communion. Amen? You know, there, there are people that, that are facing so many fights and problems in their life that the devil tells them, you ain't never getting out. You're not never going to break free of this. When I'm telling you that every communion service in your life should be a step closer to total and complete, literal freedom in your life from these things that have gripped your life. All right? Communion is a place to get set free, brothers and sisters. All right? It's not anything to fear. It's not anything for you now to grip the lies of Satan and him tell you, well, you can't be worthy. God said you're worthy if you just take a good look at yourself. Right? Why does that work? Because he is faithful to help you by the power of his spirit, the helper. Amen? All right, praise God. Praise God. We're going to uh, read the scripture together. I love 1 Corinthians chapter. I like 1 Corinthians, period. But chapter 11, let's see. It says in verse 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Why don't you get the emblems ready? Get them ready. For I received from the Lord that I, uh, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night when he was portrayed uh, took bread, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the emblem of the body of the Lord together today. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant. In my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Shall we partake of the emblem of the shed blood of Jesus Christ together?
in the four Gospels when Jesus had what we call the Last Supper together. How many times, Connie, have you and I talked about this? It was just like the marriage proposal. In the Hebrews traditional marriage proposal, the disciples knew what he was asking them. Will you be the bride of Christ? Am I right or wrong? Yeah. He had them. And, and why was it important? Because when the father of the groom would hand the cup to the groom, he would hand it to the father of the bride. He would hand it to her, and she could either drink. Every time we come together, you can either partake or refuse to partake. It's up to you, right? But if she partook, she handed it back to her father. He handed it back to the groom. The groom handed it back to his father. Listen to this carefully. Jesus handed them the cup, and they drank. And he said, I won't do this again. I won't do this again till I'm with you in glory. When the marriage supper of the land really is consummated, the marriage supper of the land, he will partake. The marriage supper of the lamb, right? Let's sing this song to God. Our service out today because that's exactly what they did at the last suppers. They sang a hymn and they went out.